0: are october episode 13 how do i find a game now that is a question that has as many different answers as you have people you can ask it the folks who i know who played back in the 70s they talk about the relative ease that you could find a group with. There was not a lot of persecution either. Uh, one in particular comes to mind, uh, Rick Stump, over at the Don't Split the Party. He and his wife, uh, one of their initial uh, connection points was that they played D&D together. And then in the 80s, I know some folks who started then, and there was a little bit of the satanic panic stuff going on. Most of the horror stories about books getting stolen or burned or uh, getting stuffed into lockers come from there, but when I started, I started in the 1990s, and while I didn't get shoved into many lockers, uh, I was far too big for that, D&D wasn't something you advertised that you did. If you talked about it too much at school, you could have uh, concerned people asking your parents questions. Uh, If you mentioned it at church, then you could have some uh, repercussions there coming out of ignorance of the satanic panic. It's fun to walk face first into the remnants of said satanic panic. (laughs) But really, the hardest thing for me at the time was keeping a stable group because one of the things about playing prior to our modern era is the impossibility of communication on the Internet. When I was playing in the 90s, the internet wasn't a thing. Sure, it existed, but nobody had it. I mean, well, one of my buddies had it. We would go over to his house and look at websites on his Dreamcast in the middle of the night, but that was about it. That was about as much exposure to the internet as I had. I distinctly remember I had a group in uh, 96, 95, somewhere in there, and we would play at somebody's house until they moved on to some other things and if they forgot to invite me then you can't just ping somebody and pop on. You had to drive over. You had to plan for it. And then I uh, I ran my first game in 97 or 98 and it was my brother, me, and one of his friends Then, um, but his friend couldn't always come over. We didn't have a consistent schedule and although my brother and I played a lot that summer when school came back around he kind of moved off and did his own thing and so then I found some other friends at school who would play with me, and we played at lunch briefly and in the basement on weekends, and that was going great until two, one of them moved away and one of them switched uh, periods. So one of the, his lunch was at a different increment than ours was, so the group disbanded naturally. And man, it was not until college that I was able to have a consistent stable. For all of the good groups that I had I had at least two failed groups because there were some guys that I played with at lunch briefly who were big into the uh, Wuxia stuff. I'm I'm just not into that and I sat down with them and the first they had me roll a character and they said okay roll this 30 uh, cider and this 10 cider." I was like okay uh, three zero you have 300 hit points. And I'm like I am playing a different game than what was advertised <laughs> but good on them. I'm glad that uh, they were having fun. It wasn't my thing, but they were having fun. I'm pretty sure it wasn't D&D, but again, we're just harking right on back. The end story is there were as many groups or more that didn't work out as did, and it was a constant, I mean a constant struggle for me in the 90s and 2000s to get a group together fast-forward when I got to college that was the golden era I found a friendly local gaming store there was a bunch of folks who had been playing together for a long time got in with one of those groups we had four different DMS and the biggest problem we had was finding time during the week to fit everybody's game in a lot of folks were working most of us were students and so it was one or two games a week tops and man that was a good time Now, the group did change. We had some core folks come in, but they kind of phased out when they graduated and moved off. Uh, We had some other folks phase in, and then they disappeared for reasons that we didn't ever find out about, actually. I bumped into one of them at lunch a year or two later. He was polite, but I guess I, eh, I don't know, found new friends, I guess, better than me. (laughs) But we had a core group, and that was key. Uh, we had a few people come and go but we had a core group and we had a good group and uh, it kept going. Now how do you get into a group like that in the absence of a friendly local gaming store to accidentally fall into? When I was still in Georgia and after I became the guy who got a job and graduated and moved away my first experience was with Meetup and that actually went pretty well. We found a board game group, because board games are more popular, I guess. And that board game group turned out to be a bunch of solid folks. Uh, We played a couple Pathfinder games. We played a bunch of board games as kind of expected. And didn't ever get to do any TSR stuff with them, but that's okay. At the end of the day, it's more important for people, in my opinion and experience. It's emblematic of a simpler time, too. Because you had me uh, and a couple others who fit into the same kind of mold, uh, you know, professional types, married, uh, church goers, and then you had some group members who were more non traditional. <laughs> you had some half shaved heads and some crazy colors in the hair, and needless to say, we didn't agree on everything we talked about, but we agreed on the games. We enjoyed the games. I remember being told by one of the group that. I was different. Um, they had never encountered somebody who uh, fit my mold and still enjoyed D&D type games. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that tells you, because the game appeals to all walks of life. You have uh, folks like me, folks who are more traditional, more conservative, folks who are less traditional, less conservative, and you have, all, you have blue collar, white collar, technical, non-technical. The game appeals to Anybody, uh, regardless of what we may think. But I promised that I wouldn't get political, so I'm going to slow down there and just say it was a good time to have a face-to-face conversation, play those kind of games, and bond on those, those shared interests after moving to Florida uh, we tried meet up again that didn't quite work out Uh, there was a board game group but it was really kinda tight-knit and there were some folks who had specific games that they wanted to play and they all knew each other as it didn't it didn't work out but um, the next place I went was work interestingly enough so I'm I am one to kind of hide my nerd hobbies Uh, like I mentioned there was usually consequences if you talked about D&D in public when I was younger, and that's kind of a hard memory to shake. And The co-workers, though, who didn't experience that, didn't know, and they talked about gaming, they talked about fantasy films, they enjoyed Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, they enjoyed... uh, Someone mentioned the Bashki version, so I knew I was in on something there, and we were talking about the Elder Scrolls, and I said, do you guys want to try the tabletop version now, I ended up running DCC for that group, and they had a blast. We I recruited some normies. It really worked out. One of my players uh, was had meant, brought his home dice. He had played way back in the day, but hadn't played in a while since himself moving to Florida. One of my other players who had never played before, he asked for graph paper. He was our party mapper. didn't even have to be uh, questioned. His notes were better than mine, so I ended up cheating a little bit. <laughs> to make the game more consistent uh, by looking at his notes, because we kind of kept them in the same file. So sometimes normies will work. Sometimes normies don't work. Uh, talking back to spouses, um, I've played with spouses before, but never my own. Um, I My wife enjoys puzzle games. My wife enjoys seek and find. So I thought, surely the exploration and puzzle solving aspects, maybe we'll ever play a thief. Nope. She was never into it. I could never get her to play. She came and observed and uh, said it was interesting, but didn't want to play. And I don't fault her. I think we all have those same people in our lives who we think will enjoy something, but they don't. And who knows? Maybe they enjoy the wrong thing. One of my other players was constantly trying to get me to run 5th edition. No shade on 5th edition. Well, yes, I I throw a lot of shade on 5th edition, but that's not the point. At the time, I wasn't doing it because... Again, it's it's not my thing, but that doesn't mean it's not somebody else's. Um, and so he would go on to play in a couple 5th edition games outside of the game I was running, and more power to him. But that brings us into our next phase of uh, the the game cycle. How do I play a game that's not the mainstream. Because you, if you're in a physical environment, unless you live in who gaming mecca, you are not going to be able to find someone who wants to play a 40-year-old game with you. It, you can maybe find a couple. You can, like I said, recruit the normies. But most of the time, you're going to have an uphill battle because there's a natural inclination that new is good, that big is good. And coming into a niche hobby like this, it's just not something that is easy to sell every time and um, my home game with dcc we cycled players i had the three core guys that i mentioned but then we had one uh, one or two other co-workers that came through and didn't want to play one co-worker who expressed interest but never showed up uh, and then we had another two friends of one of my players who came in played one session and left so it's not easy to sell Uh, your niche games in an environment where people know about the big dogs. Enter the age of the internet. If you know anything about my history, you'll you'll know that I play a lot online. For an entire year, I didn't get to play because twins. And that entire year, I was trying to figure out how am I going to get a game together, how am I going to get into a game. I don't want to play the games that the guys at work are playing. Uh, I actually eventually did cave and tried to go to one, and then I had to cancel because they were going to meet up at 8. I got ready to go at 8, and one one of the twins woke up, and he was not going back to sleep. So I spent the next hour playing with a baby instead of going to play the game, and it's just how that goes. So enter Discord. Watching a lot of actual plays, uh, I got into actual plays as a way to vent that lack of playing frustration to try to see other people enjoying what I used to do. And I noticed that some of the content creators that I watched, uh, Hobbs comes to mind, The Gamerhood, uh, Dungeon Musings, uh, Kevin Madison comes to mind. They were playing a lot of awesome games, and they both had communities that they advertised. So... I'll give it a shot. Uh, other forums that I was on were saying that Discord was the worst thing, and you should avoid it like the plague, so I downloaded the app, made an account, and lo and behold, I really enjoyed being a part of those communities. I jumped into the Audio Dungeon, where I still am, jumped over to Dungeon Musings. I'm not as active over there, but I'm still there, and I'm in six or seven at this point. And I found those communities. Uh, I made my own, which all of you listeners, you're welcome to come in. I'd love to have you come in, hang out, and talk old-school gaming with you. And those communities are full of people who want to play the game. Last game I played, I had a player in Australia. Uh, Thank you, Dio, for joining. And I thanked Thaddeus last episode for kind of pushing me to keep moving. Thank you, Dio. You are keeping me going so you're nagging me and pushing me to schedule more plays and i'm going to and i appreciate that because that impetus is what's going to keep me could keep me playing but uh, i digress so we have one player in australia one player in illinois one player in tennessee you have me playing down here and we had another fellow in kentucky and so the point the more the point is we're having people all over the world come together where the community my locale It may not be that big for old school gaming, but Earth is pretty big. So the beauty of that game, and what I would encourage you to do, if you're looking to play, looking to get into one of these games, check out your local environment uh, if you're capable of running, see if you can recruit some people. But worst case scenario, jump onto some of these discords. Look into some of these looking for group channels, and see if you can't find uh, a pickup gaming server. Because do that you can pick and choose the people you want to play with you don't have to go with every creeper and their uh, self-insert fantasy character. it's it's a good way to get in and the only way to start playing is to find a game to play in in any case that's my really long story uh... twenty five years or so worth of trying to figure out how to answer that question how do i get into and or how do i run a game condense that down into 15 minutes so here's the here's the open game on readers if you can't if you're not in a game join one if you uh, have an idea have a map that you want to throw some people at throw at don't let the like i said last time don't let the lack of answers f- prevent you from tackling the questions run the game join the group play the game worst case is you waste an evening and have to find a new one next time Delvon, everybody. Thank you for listening. Clear swear, ring, Mail Podcast is an independently owned and operated product, released for educational and informative purposes under the totally steal this license, which is kind of like Creative Commons, except for <coughs> licensing. Segments recorded within a vehicle are recorded using a Bluetooth hands free device in conjunction with local vehicular safety legislation. The music for the Clear Swearing Mail Podcast is Gold Coffee by Michael Ramirez, Retrieved from Mixkit.co and used under the Mixkit Royalty Free Music License. Sound effects used in the Clear swear, ring, Mail Podcast are also retrieved from Mixkit.co and used in accordance with the mixkit Free Sound effects license. Clear swearing mail does not describe to nor endorse views or opinions expressed by call-ins, guests, or even the host, unless you think they're awesome and thus does not assume any liability regarding the consumption or distribution of this podcast. By listening to the Clear swear, ring, mail podcast, you agree to these provided terms. Parties with questions regarding these terms conditions or releases are encouraged to reach out to clear, email at the prescribed methods provided on the Cleric Square Email blog. Parties dissatisfied with these terms, conditions, or releases are encouraged to go suck an egg.